The opinions voiced in this show are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult your attorney, accountant, financial advisor, or tax advisor prior to investing. This show contains forward-looking statements that may not come true. Securities Investment Advisory Services offered through Grove Point Financial, member FINRA SIPC, Grove Point Financial, and Kelch Associates are unaffiliated companies. And folks, this program is intended for Wisconsin residents only. AM 550, FM 99.9, WSAU, and online at WSAU.com as well. I am WSAU News Director Mike Leishner, joined on the phone today by Merle Kelch. Mm-hmm. Merle, it, it, the last, you know, like seven or eight days that we've had has been absolutely just, you know, weird. Of course, if you're regular, <laughs> well, if, well, if you're regular listeners to the program, you know, this program gets weird to begin with. But uh, last week, you had travel issues. We had Alan Helgum coming down with uh, sickness. And then we had me, you know, scrambling to to find uh, best of segments, which are saved away in a very secret place. And then this morning, I'm sitting here waiting for Merle to uh, walk in the studio. (laughs) And all of a sudden, I see the phone go off and it's Merle saying, oh, by the way, remember, I'm in Florida this week. Yeah, it's it, it, it has just been such a strange week from that standpoint, folks. Uh, if you're listening, um, I had one of the the weirdest, not necessarily scariest, but weirdest things I've ever had. I'm on an airplane. We're we're five minutes from the door closing, and all of a sudden the cabin fills up with like this haze. I don't know if it was a burning smoke or a smoke or a haze. Like, oh, we're getting off the plane. I'm like, okay. And, uh, you know, the person on the outside, she says, uh, um, I know your phone's all said you've been rebooked. She goes, this plane isn't going anyplace. they got to figure out what's going on first. They fix it. Like, oh, this is great. Well, now you're scrambling and bouncing all over the place. And so it took me three days to get down to Florida. And I was expecting, you know, a four and a half or five hour trip. And so we finally got here. Um, uh, and, of course, by the way, we started uh, driving to Appleton ahead of time because all the ice that was supposed to come. So it was just a fiasco. Got down here, everything is just fine and going well. Uh, we call our friend Alan and say, hey, can you pinch hit? He said, sure. Uh, what was it, two hours later, three hours later? I'm like, mm-hmm. nope, sorry. Um, I can't make it in. I'm sick. I can't do it. So he was done. <laughs> and so it's just been a, a crazy escapade all the way through. But we're here. We're ready. Uh, we can hear each other. Good, strong internet, doing voiceover of the internet. Mm-hmm. Um, life is good. Um, it is beautiful. But now going through the research this morning and I'm reading and folks in the, the, the investment and business world, anything becomes news mm-hmm. and the Super Bowl is the news. I tell you, if I see one more article about Taylor Swift's private plane parking place in Las <laughs> Vegas and how she got it, I'm just going to flip my throat. I mean, for God, I mean, don't get me wrong. God bless Taylor Swift, mm-hmm. but I'm trying to get a radio show done here. Folks. I don't care about it at the moment. Right. I'm trying to get some stuff done, some data, and everything is about, is it the Super Bowl or is it uh, Taylor Swift um, as a fan game? I'm not really sure right. what this is right now. Uh, but, boy, it's it's uh, all the news seems to be about Taylor towards towards that. No kidding. Taylor to Taylor uh, versus uh, the economic information. And the economic, economic information, easy for me to say, uh, uh, is pretty good out there. There's some, some stuff out there we really need to uh, pay attention to. Yeah, exactly. And uh, uh, first off, I, I want to know how the Las Vegas airport is going to be doing economically uh, 
this week and all the airports well, adjacent to Las Vegas because I know when they had the the, the one big event uh one big event I can remember in Vegas at the MGM was the uh I believe it was the Manny Pacquiao uh Floyd Mayweather fight. They actually ran out of places to park airplanes yeah, at the airport. Yeah. So many people were flying in. Uh, from what I understand, it's probably going to be the exact same, and that means uh, a lot of jet fuel is going to be sold. Yeah, and you know what? And I can uh, sadly actually tell you that stuff, folks. And I don't have any of the articles cited here for this because simply um, I didn't care, but I read through it, you know, <laughs> just part of the nation of the beast. There are some 400 private plane slots at the main terminal, our main uh, airport in Las Vegas, and they've all been booked up for months. The drop-and-go, which means you land, people get off the plane, the plane flies off and parks somewhere else. Uh, the somewhere else is all also full, the other three nearby airports for the uh, the drop-and-goes. So it is going to be an enormously uh, busy, busy event for Las Vegas and, and a good thing and boost for their economy, uh, which is fantastic. Um, of course, nobody cares about the other 399 slots, just Taylor Swift. <laughs> That's the only one that matters because they had to have security booked and she's flying from her last stop in Tokyo, mm-hmm. getting on the plane. She's sleeping because she has private luxury bedroom quarters on her plane. And she's flying here for 13 hours or 14 hours to get here to be in here in time for the game. And guess what? I still don't care. Mm-hmm. But I know that because it shows up on all the financial. <laughs> yeah, no doubt websites. about it. And, uh, you know, even, even uh, and, and of course, again, we should remind people that, you know, we are here live. Uh, our chatter right now is just filler for your phone calls. If we're talking yes, about is. something Soon like this, we're here. Yes. If uh, we're talk we're talking about something like this, it means that we don't have calls, which of course means there's an open line for you at 715-845-2155. And, uh, and Merle, one more thing before we, before we put this to bed and actually get into some of the economic data that was released yesterday. Uh, I don't know if you happen to catch it during the AFC championship game, but uh, CBS uh, zooms right in on uh, Taylor as she's uh, in the in the skybox with Danita Kelsey watching the game, and uh, they put a promo up for the Grammys. Natural tie, of course. Taylor's going to be up for a couple of Grammys, and CBS will be broadcasting them tomorrow. And they they actually stayed on Taylor Swift so long. She looks at the monitor in the luxury box out of the corner of her eye, and for those of you that are lip readers, you can say, "Tell she said she rolled her eyes and said." Get the camera off me. Like, come on. Even I don't want this much attention. So give her credit. Yeah. She's even starting to uh, to to kind of uh, annoy herself that way. She needs to start charging for the minutes that they put her on. And that'll help. <laughs> I think you that's know, a good idea. Indeed. Well, let's, let's switch over to something other than uh, Taylor Swift. Which, it, please do. Yes. Yeah. I mean, God bless her, but I really don't care. I mean, anyway, <laughs> here we go. So there's an article out there, and it's the, the lead article that's popping up by William Watts, and William Watts had an article, and the title of the article was in 1987, Stock Market Crash and Lessons for Traders Convinced the Fed Will Slash Rates in 2024. So, you know, the, the big thing that's been out here now, and, and we've seen a, a rise in the marketplace over the course of the past number of months here, uh, largely because people believe that the Federal Reserve is going to drop interest rates in, in, in March, in fact, at one point in time. Um, I remember the probability of that happening was up in the 80s. 80% the Fed's going to drop interest rates inside of March. And, and the answer is is probably not. I mean, we're going to find out on Wednesday it was the Fed meets, but probably not. 
you know, the interest rates are, are designed, folks, and, and this is just common knowledge, and it's not just Merle, but that the interest rate is designed to stimulate the economy when the economy is slowing down. Um, and so in this article, they got a couple of interesting things, and I'm going to cut over to another article here in a moment, folks, so bear with me. i got to flip through my iPad to one place to another, but we will certainly get there and make a go of this here. So inside of this, if we take a look at why the Federal Reserve drops interest rates, it's to stimulate it. And so from it, stimulating the economy, we need to have a couple of things to have proof that the economy is slowing down and doing terrible and we're going into a recession. You know, one of them is we see unemployment jumping up. Okay, we're not seeing that. Mm-mm. We see employment dropping down. Well, we're not seeing that either. For God, we you know just expect it just went exceedingly above the expectations of job creation this past Friday, which the expectation was 170. We end up at 353. So that's not the case. Business activity slowing down, seeing GDP falling off. Well, that's not really falling off. In fact, we actually saw some ISM numbers coming up um, this past. Uh, January. Um, so February numbers, of course, just uh, not here yet. Um, but uh, we see real estate prices. We should be seeing real estate prices and real estate opening up for sale all over the place as the price is jumping. We're not seeing that. So so the reasons for interest rates to drop just start happening. Um, if the stock market goes down, that's not going to be enough for the Federal Reserve to say, oh, hey, uh, we're going to drop interest rates because the stock market went down. It's not going to happen. And so all the reasons that we're seeing out there for a drop in interest rates just are not there. And I don't even know if I can put a yet in it at this point in time, but they're not there. So as a result of that, you know, if your belief is that the Federal Reserve is going to drop interest rates and everything's going to be beautiful and shiny, we're going to start seeing unicorns and rainbows and fireworks and all this beautiful stuff happening, uh, don't bet on that. It's not going to occur. Um, amazingly, we still have to go back to math and say, what is the math telling us? So, so with it, uh, we have that said, and I'll divulge into this a little bit more, and here's the point, folks, where I have to switch from one place to another, so bear with me. Here we go. I have it done. Isn't that beautiful? Yeah, that. that was smooth. Oh, yeah. So an article about two days ago from Rob Gregg, um, I'm sorry, Greg Rob, and he says the Fed's Goolsby, who is one of the federal uh, governors, uh, Fed governors, uh, says January report was almost breathtaking on service, um, not on the surface, but details um, not quite as strong. So inside of the article, he talks about, you know, how we had all these jobs created, but it was created in some areas, not inside of others, light in a spot. And so aside from all that, in the article, there's a small paragraph that says, in a separate interview earlier Friday, former Fed vice chairman Richard Clardia um, said he thought that June would most likely be the time for the first rate cut of the cycle, given the strength of the uh, January jobs report. So many economists shared in this view, while traders and derivative markets still think the first cut is going to come uh, earlier, maybe inside of May. I'm thinking if you've had the guy that's behind Chairman Powell saying it's probably going to be June, odds might be good. It could be June. That's not March. That's not May. <laughs> it could be June. And so this kind of goes through as they're looking at the jobs information, the jobs report. They think maybe we could have a, a, a you know, we tend to jump up before we come back down. Yeah, maybe June we see an interest rate hike. I would actually could make a fairly good case that we don't see interest rates go down at all uh, this year. You know, the federal interest rates, I'm sorry, the Fed interest rates, as we've talked about so many times in this program, folks, they're actually normal right now. You know, the abnormal has been where we were. They're actually kind of normal right now. And if we see the economy continue to keep um, moving forward and progressing forward and growing and jobs are doing all right and we're holding up, we're not having all these things that we see, 
and with a, and with a uh, recessionary economy approaching, coming, or here, um, we can see the economy continuing on because, again, we're kind of in normalcy. Now, mortgage rates, they jumped up to 8% at one point in time. Uh, my wife and I were out for dinner last night, and as we're sitting there, she uh, she's looking at a monitor behind me, so I couldn't see it. And she says, look at that. And I said, what? She goes, mortgage rates down here, uh, 4.95, they're aver- I'm sorry, 4.99, they're advertising. I'm like, holy crap. Uh, you know, that's a pretty good interest rate comparatively. I don't know what they are currently inside of Wausau, but, uh, but 4.99 is a, is, a, is a rate that's actually pretty reasonable. Um, again, I've said it on this program, and, and many of my friends talk about it. My first mortgage is at 13.1%. So, you know, 4.99 is a pretty good rate comparatively. Now, it's not like uh, yours, Mike, which I think yours was like, like uh, free, wasn't it, your mortgage? I, no, I'm, it wasn't. I'm, but. I'm not free, but I am extremely, <laughs> extremely close. And actually, Merle, as you uh, as you are talking, I'm working the computer back here, so I'm going to go ahead and, and uh, do some filler right now, pulling up some of the mortgage rates right now uh, in Wausau. This is, um, and, and, and again, citing sources, which is what we do on this show, uh, from Covantage Credit Union here in Wausau, uh, 30-year Mortgage right now, uh, 6.25%. You can get a 15-year for under 6%, uh, significantly under 6%, actually, at uh, 5.875. So we're we're seeing those coming back down. Um, You know, again, in the real estate marketplace that's out here, and folks, this is is multiple articles inside of MarketWatch. Um, The new home purchases off the charts, as soon as they're built, they're gone. Um, existing home, they're just not out there. There's not the inventory because people who have the you know 3% or the sub 3% mortgages, they're not selling them. Um, and a lot of them, what they're doing is they're buying a new one if needed and they're taking the old one and turning it into a rental at this point. Mm-hmm. How long that continues, we don't know, but that's what's happening currently as we speak. So inside of this article that we started with, and let me make sure I recite that once again by William Watts, uh, it says 1987 stock market crash has lessons for traders convinced that the Fed will slash rates in 2024. And again, probably not. I would be willing to bet anybody a can of soda. First, you have to sign a disclaimer because we're not betting. It's only a can of soda shared between friends, mm-hmm. not an actual bet. Sorry, mm-hmm. I had to put that out there, too. See, look at that. Um, the, uh, but, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so in here, um, we're, we're not going to see interest rates come down in March. And so have no expectations it's going to occur. Um, and maybe in June, we popped up that separate article that did that. But in here, um, it, it looks like, and this is using data truck inside of this article, took a look back at the past easing cycle to see how markets' expectations for decline at least 125 basis points, 1.25%, folks, um, over the coming line, year lined up with past easing cycles. And as shown by the chart, and yes, we have the chart, and guess what it has and tells us? Uh, interest rates probably are not going to come down just because we have expectations of it occurring. Um, the Federal Reserve is really good at using math, which is kind of odd and strange, uh, when they start dropping interest rates. And in doing so, um, it is just simply no precedent, using their word, for a 1% point rate cuts throughout the course of 2024 based upon their analysis that they have. So... I guess my lesson in this, folks, is if you're saying, well, geez, um, we're going to wait until the interest rates come down before we do X or Y or Z, the better thing to do is to say, okay, if I do it now, am I going to have a better advantageous there versus if I wait a year or two years? Make that your better choice because interest rates probably are not going to be uh, the deciding factor on anything we do uh, at this point in time. 
Um, interest rates are low enough, and if people have been in business long enough, you'll know that if you're getting interest rates in that five or six mark, that's actually the norm, not the ad norm. And you buy it if it's going to be good for business, and that's where we seem to be going um, at this point. One more question on then before we uh, put this to bed, Merle. Uh, and, and again, this is, uh, we'll th- again throw the disclaimer out there. The uh, the regulators are actually going to like us today because we're throwing all kinds of disclaimers out there today. Yeah. Uh, that this show does contain forward-looking statements that may not come true, which is exactly what I'm about to ask Merle to do right now uh, because mm-hmm. I'm in the news director and that's my job. Merle, if interest rates stay steady and we see absolutely no change between now and December, in December, is the economy in good shape, bad shape, or neutral? It all depends upon where business and profit goes. I mean, that's the the whole thing about it. Um, We're not seeing anything that's going to indicate that we're dropping into a recession. We're not seeing this big widespread layoff. Well, you know, business is falling apart, so we can't. We're, I'm not seeing that. When I talk to my friends inside of local WASA and say, how's business going? They said, oh, business is slowing down. I said, okay. And so my next question always is, um, are you slowing down below post or pre-pandemic? Um, or are you coming back to that? And almost all of them said we're coming back to that. And, and I've said it, and I said it on this program, and I've been saying it for about a year now, and saying that a lot of, I think, the the huge over-enthusiasm of the job marketplace has taken place because we filled up all the pipelines. I mean, we were we were empty as a country on our inventory on being able to get product supply. Everybody had to go back to work and get everything back inside of a, a balance again. And, and as a result of that, then, I think we had so much overwork to fill the pipelines back up. And now that the pipelines are full and we're having more, um, uh, um, what's the word I'm looking for, streamlined, productivity of product and service as we're having those pipelines filled back up again we don't need to have all those extra hours we don't have to have all those extra bodies and that whole bit and i think think we're seeing a balance of that coming in and and with that that doesn't mean we're going to a recession it just means we're slowing or um, regressing back to the norm again and and i think that's what's occurring inside of the marketplace It's, it's one thing that explains you know pretty much everything that's going on as far as you know, we're slowing, uh, we're, you know, the economy's slowing down, but we're still adding jobs. Um, the economy's slowing down, but we're not seeing a rise in unemployment. So all that sort of stuff is, is sort of a rebalancing of everything, but getting put back together. And I think that's what's occurring. 715-845-2155 is the number to call. We are live this week here for Making Financial Sense with Merle Kelch. We'll be back with more after this here on WSAU. The opinions voiced in this show are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult your attorney, accountant, financial advisor, or tax advisor prior to investing. This show contains forward-looking statements that may not come true. Securities Investment Advisory Services offered through Grove Point Financial, member FINRA SIPC, Grove Point Financial, and Kelchin Associates are unaffiliated companies. And folks, this program is intended for Wisconsin residents only. 8.28 to on your Saturday morning on AM 550, FM 99.9, WSAU, and online at WSAU.com as well. I'm WSAU News Director Mike Leishner, joined on the phone today, live from Florida, by Merle Kelch, uh, Kelch & Associates, as we are making financial sense. Uh, Merle, I've got an investment I made uh, here this week. I wanted to uh, to kind of run by you. I, uh, I had a friend over in the cities pick up a rated uh, Gem Mint Trevor Lawrence rookie card. I, I just looked it up. I paid about $30 for it. I just looked up the value. It said uh, it, I could sell it for maybe 37 Is that a good investment? Well, yeah, it's 20% return. 
there we go. That's that's all the that's all yeah. that's all I needed. I just needed the outside justification that I that was money well spent. So thank you. Now the rate of return isn't uh, captured until you actually sell it. Shoot, <laughs> that's not what I wanted to hear. I just wanted some outside assurance that I made a good purchase. You know, <laughs> I uh, it, it, in, in this. I, I say that because I, I use this for clients all the time. Sure. Um, so we'll have clients that say, well, I bought this land. It was such a great investment because I bought the land at this price. And it's going to be this price when I sell it for retirement. And so my next question is, are you going to sell it? Well, no, I want it for the family. Okay, so then it's not a retirement dollar. It's just something you're going to give away to the family. So therefore, it's not retirement money. We're not putting that inside of the pot. And I just kind of get this deer in the headlights look. Yeah, but it goes up in value. I said, you can't spend a tree. Okay. You, know, you, you have to you have to take the land or whatever asset you bought. If your intention is to buy it, let it appreciate in price, and then to resell it and use that for retirement income. Uh, well, then it's something you, you put inside of the pot for retirement income. Otherwise, it's just an asset, and we're not going to use it for uh, retirement value. So if you think about this, everybody listening, and, and Mike, too, uh, we've got great farmer clients over the course uh, of the years, and um, they're typically land-rich but cash poor because they put everything into the farm, into the land, their uh, livelihood and, and money and savings and so forth comes from what they generate from the land, putting crops in, whether they get cattle or milking, whatever the case may be. Mm -hmm. um, so in retirement time, they say, okay, well, how much do you have saved retirement? Well, not much because I have all this money inside of the farm. Are you going to sell the farm? Well, no, we thought we'd give it to the kids. Okay. Then for retirement dollars, you don't have anything. Because it's designed to, uh, if you're going to use it as part of retirement, you have to sell it off with a profit. Um, and so it's, it's, a, it's a big challenge that you have to do in getting ready for retirement. Retirement is different than gaining assets. Mm -hmm. You can gain all the assets you want, but eventually you have to have it so that those assets put money inside of your hands so you can buy groceries or take a trip or make a car payment or whatever you want to do during retirement years. It has to be able to generate that. And so um, in here, like your card, it's a great investment. If you sell it, mm -hmm. otherwise it's just a collection. Other, otherwise, it's just something that sits on my desk here uh, at work. I call it my desk, one of my desk ornaments. Uh, but yeah, you know that brings up a great point, though. And again, I bring these things up tongue in cheek, and somehow we we end up getting uh, on topic with it. Uh, that's the basic the principle of liquidity, right? You, you've got liquid assets. The liquid assets are is the money in your bank account. That's the checking, the savings, things like oh, that. Yeah. Your four hundred one k maybe a little more liquid, a little more liquid than land, but still not meant to be something that uh, that comes and goes from the bank account. Correct. Um, you have it right on the head. Now, um, if anybody knows me personally that's out there, I, I really enjoy you know, hunting in the woods and this type of stuff. I don't get out there as much as I used to with my round figure. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, and the age and the knees and that kind of stuff as much as I used to. But I, I love being out in the woods and trees and so I've got some land up north, and it's and it's a bunch of scrub woods for deer hunting, that kind of stuff. But like everything else, the, the real estate price over the course of the past several years have driven that up considerably. And you look at it on paper and like, hey, that's not bad. But I'll probably never sell it. You know, not that I can think of any reason to. And so it's probably going to end up going to, you know, kids and grandkids and whomever at some point in time. So though it, it looks great on paper, it's not going to turn into any dollars in my hand during retirement. So all it is is just nothing more than illiquid asset that's not going to generate any retirement dollars. 
um, you know, I, I suppose I could cut all the trees down. Well, then I just have a field, mm-hmm. you know, so, but, you know, so it kind of negates the whole purpose of having woods, you know, but yeah. Uh, yeah. So uh, a great lesson for people to think, think about, think about them. We've yeah. had, you know, people have said, I got all these great assets. It'll be great during retirement. You're going to sell it. And so the answer is no. And fact, actually, I can actually I, I, say, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, I've actually had that conversation, you know, with my sisters as well. I've got all these cards that, you know, I've collected uh, from, you know, the time I was seven, eight years old until now. And I've said, you know, some of them are going in for grading. Some of them could actually could be worth something. I said, I'm not grading them necessarily for me. I'm, I'm saving a piece of my childhood, yes. But the only way they're going to get sold is if I'm not around here anymore and, uh, if you guys are selling them to help fund a certain, you know, college education for some of my little favorites, we'll put it that way. Sure. Yeah. yeah. There's a, um, uh, and, and again, folks, we're here waiting for you to take your calls. And so that's, this is our banter mm-hmm. in the meantime, but hopefully some things to learn. Uh, there is a long storied story, whatever the term might be of an individual, and I don't remember his name or where it was from, but he lived his whole life, you know, uh, essentially a pauper, and he enjoyed comic books. Mm -hmm. He enjoyed baseball cards. Mm -hmm. And so um, after he had passed away, they sold off his comic book and baseball cards to the tune of millions and millions from his collection that he had had. But he lived his life how he wanted. He enjoyed these and collecting them and putting them together. Um, but never realized the amount of money that was there um, until it was auctioned after he passed away. And it was millions and millions of dollars that went off to the rest of his family's nieces and nephews and this kind of stuff. He was never married. Um, and so, I mean, the, the collections are with people like, fantastic, um, enjoy the collection. Um, but it's not going to generate any money in your pocket by holding them. Now it generated a lot of money in the pocket to the family later on. Yeah, good for them. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but, you know, that's to love. God bless you. That's the nature to be. Uh, on my part of the world, being a financial professional, we have to say, okay, what's going to generate money and put it inside of your pocket so you can, you know, live and eat and do the things that you want to do along the way. And, and that's our part of it. So sometimes we have to look at assets, though a person might be worth millions of dollars as far as the net worth goes. Um, the millions of dollars is one thing, but the ability to generate some cash flow um, tends to be the other. Um, and that's the part that's uh, where the work comes in from our part of the world. Seven one five eight four five two one five five is the number to call if you have a question for Merle. As we are making financial sense here on WSAU and Merle, one more thing then before we wrap up what's become an impromptu topic, and this is another aspect I'm sure of your business because at a certain point you sometimes have to be the one to break the bad news to people, saying, "Wait a minute, this isn't worth just as much as you think it is. Wait a minute, you're spending too much money here." Uh, just yeah, like yeah. when you take something like a collectible to market, remember, you can look it up on the Internet and say, oh, wow, this looks like it could go for, you know, it's worth $300. You can have somebody else look it up and say, wait a minute, it's only worth that if somebody will actually take the action and put it on their card or hand you over the cash. Yeah, Here's yeah. what I'm seeing. This has actually sold recently for $5. I actually had that experience with one of my uh, Michael Jordan cards when I was beginning to re-inventory my collection. Well, yeah. it says it sold for $300, but that was a couple of years ago. Right now I'm seeing it for sale on eBay for five. You you have to realize that there is that risk with something like this. And of course with uh, your industry as well. 
Sure. Everything has an ebb and flow of value. Um, you know, we can look at, you know, stocks right now, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to just give you a couple examples of, of a couple of stocks that are out there. Um, and again, folks, I'm not telling you to go out and buy these stocks. I'm not telling you to, tell you to go out and sell these stocks. These are simply facts of what occurs. You know, we look into this whole Magnificent Seven, as they're calling it, in the um, AI business. You know, we can look at it. The, the one that's in, in favor right now is NVIDIA. Uh, they've got some great product on. Their stock has just gone insane. I mean, it's not even crazy, folks. It's insane. Their stock prices have gone up. We look at the, the number two in that industry, um, um, which would be AMD. Their stock price has gone up like crazy. We look at the one who brought everybody to the dance years ago and was the darling and one that took off for a long time, Intel. It went up last year, but not insane like the other ones are. But yet, I think they've done most of the work behind them. And the difference simply is, is that one's having their day, the other ones are not at this point in time. And will they have their day? Maybe, but again, everything has its day. So we could very well see a year from now that, well, nobody likes NVIDIA anymore, and that stock price is dropping like a rocket, and now everybody wants to buy Intel. And again, I'm not telling you to do that, folks, only using this as an example. And, and we may very well might find that be the case. We don't know. Uh, but anything, of course, has uh, has its uh, everything has its day, uh, including the investments. The best thing you have to look at is what's happening with the profitability standpoint. Um, when you look at stocks, when you look at investments, when you're looking at even at trading cards, okay, so now is the day that people are making money at doing it. That's you make the money unless it's a collection and you hold on to it because you love it. Uh, but you have to look at the profitability, and consequently, um, uh, Nvidia is making a ton of profit. Uh, 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 Intel is not at this point in time. Just make sure we have the transparency at this point. But you know, you always try to look for the future and those types of things. Seven one five eight four five two one five five is the number to call. He's Merle Kelch. We're making financial sense here on WSAU. We'll be back with more after this. It is uh, 8.43 on this Saturday morning on AM 550 FM 99.9 WSAU, online at WSAU.com as well. Uh, Merle Kelch joining us live on the phone. We've got time for your phone calls at 715-845-2155. Here as we go into what uh, may be the final segment uh, of the show before we wrap things up today. Bit of a different format today, but hey, you know what? We're rolling with it. And uh, how much are we rolling with it, folks? Well, uh, I wasn't planning on having any best of segments today, especially with the way things started. But hey, I think we just canned another one talking about collectibles and how that um, transfers over to the stock world because, <laughs> well, believe it or not, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of crossover and a lot of similarities there. And then uh, during the break, Merle, uh, who again is joining us live on the phone today, tells me that he's going to knock my socks off. Well, Merle, my my socks are on. Go ahead, <laughs> knock them off. What are we talking about? That's so interesting. Well, um, it's interesting to me because I'm a. There's something wrong with me. We said this before um, on this program that you know some people watch TV shows and, and this whole bit, and I read articles about the markets and and the economic and economics. So. Um, there's obviously something wrong with me, um, uh, clearly. But there's this thing called the Institute for Supply Side Management. That's exciting, isn't it? Sure. Uh, I hear yeah. your crickets. Yeah. Why not? All right. So I got a backup of what these guys are. So then this article will make more sense in just a moment. But the Institute for Supply Side Management used to have a name called the NAPM, which described what they were. It was the National Association of Purchasing Managers. Okay, that's it. 
All I right. imagine a bunch of purchasing managers sitting around having a smoke, playing some cards, playing some dice, and say, yeah, what do you got over here, you know? Um, so what they did is they just, as a society, an association, if you will, they got together and they said, what are you doing for the next six months? Are you buying for expansion or contraction? That was the only question they asked. And so if 50% of the people said they're buying for expansion, it led to an indicator that the market was going to continue to grow. Less than 50%, well, contraction in the economy. And, and believe it or not, the indicator is really good. It truly is. Um, one of Alan Greenspan's favorite things that he would look at is what are the ISM numbers? So, of course, one from manufacturing went to different areas. And somewhere along the way, somebody said, well, the NAPM is not sexy enough. So then they came up with the Institute of Supply Side Management. Mm. Wasn't that exciting? Yeah, it's still not doing it for me. All right, that's all I got. So that's <laughs> it. Thank you very much. Tip your waitress on the way out. So, so anyway, the ISM numbers, the reason we say this here is there's an article that came out, and it just simply says the ISM numbers, but we'll cite the article. Um, uh, Greg Robb, once again, uh, a couple of days ago, said the ISM factory index improves but stays in contractory, contractionary territory for the 15th, 15th straight, straight month. So we've been in a contraction mode from an economic standpoint over the course of, of the last year or so, which, again, goes back to what I was saying before. We're shrinking, but are we shrinking to a recessionary period of time? And the answer is at this point, no. Who knows if it gets there or not? But inside of this, the U.S. manufacturing activity rose to 49.1, still below 50, but in January at 47.1, um, even lower. So according to that, then, it's the highest, highest level since we had in October. Um, 15 months straight down, um, but we continue to keep moving forward. Now, one of the key details in here, which I think is pretty impressive, is um, the new order index um, jumped into expansionary territory inside of January, jumping up 5.5 points which is huge. It generally never does that, up to 52.5. So the economic expansion appears to be actually happening from a production standpoint over a short period of time, but the long-term numbers still showing contractionary, but still growing. So this kind of still keeps going back to, yeah, we're not seeing interest rate cutting from the Fed. That's all I got. Yeah, so what I'm hearing in here then is, we're just there. We're not great. We're not terrible. Everything is just boring. Yeah. Unless you're Taylor Swift. <laughs> yes, right back to uh right back to Taylor Swift. So I I guess then my question uh Merle, why is it then that we're seeing I guess so much anxiety in in the marketplace or in certain people saying, okay, we're headed for a cliff. We're headed for a recession. When at this point, I mean, everything's just kind of status quo. Like we're not growing, we're not shrinking. Is it that yeah, it yeah. growth and we expect growth in the economy? And if uh, the economy isn't showing signs of growth and is just holding steady for several months in a row, that makes people anxious. I, I think it's the mentality of this. And, and uh, hopefully we have a little bit of a smile on our face, but how many times do you see, the stock market was up 75 points today. The mm -hmm. next day, the stock market is down 20 points. The world's falling up. I mean, oh, yeah. So we, we, tend, we tend to just sensationalize anything that's negative. And so if something's positive or okay, well, that really doesn't do uh, much to sell newspapers, sell ads, and make people come to our site to get some clicks. It always has to be something that's over-sensationalized, whatever mm -hmm. it is, whatever the new sub is. 
So weirdos like me actually have to look at what are the numbers and where does this go for not today, but for two months, three months, six months, one year, five years on the road, which direction are we going? And the whole scenario is that if the market is just kind of doing, and the economy is just kind of doing blah, that means we're dropping off. Nobody wants a recession. You know, recessions aren't good for anybody. I mean, uh, recessions make it so that you know, eventually interest rates drop at our bank and our CDs. Um, interest rates mean that things are people are going to uh, lose jobs. And if you're a grandparent or a parent, that means, damn it, the kids are probably going to end up moving in a house. Mm-hmm. Okay, that was a part that was my temptation. Right? <laughs> um, so nobody wants a recessionary period of time. And so we all want to have growth, and we all, of course, want 20% a year. That's not the normalcy. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we all have that want. And if we have continual growth and expansion, it makes everything better. So um, I think that's the hope. But if we're having growth and expansion at a normal pace, it's not sensationalized, and, and I think that's where we get some of that craziness that we see happen inside the markets. Seven one five eight four five two one five five is the number to call. Good morning. You're making financial sense with Merle Kelch. Who are we talking to today? Uh, this is John. Morning, John. How are you today? Pretty good, uh, Merle. Uh, hey, I, I just saw on the internet today that. Uh, the state of Wisconsin and three other states are going to be, well, have legislation proposed for eliminating sales tax on precious metals. Okay. I guess I'm just wondering if you knew anything about that or the I've likelihood that such legislation would pass <clears throat> and... Uh, just yeah, give me your, John, I've, I've not give me your thoughts if you have any on it. Well, I'll hang up and listen. Yeah, John, thanks for the question on this. And so, uh, John, this one is entirely off the cuff because I have not heard of this at all. Um, and so my first question that popped in when you said this, John, is um, why are they doing it? Is it to give an investor a, a break on, on buying precious metals? And then my next question is why just on precious metals? Um, or is it they're giving a break on precious metals because uh, we want to facilitate some of the mining of what we might have? And I don't know the answer to that, but uh, John, and, and uh, um, I appreciate that question. Boy, um, interesting to me. I have some friends that are part of the state um, as far as in the legislature, and I'm going to send a note to them. And uh, uh, next week we should have an answer when we're back in studio, by the way, my friend. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and 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 again, uh, disclaimer here: we're not here to you know prognosticate anything on legislation. We all know that the uh, the legislature has a mind of its own. Of course, I get that thrown yeah. at me every day in my uh, jo- uh, role here as the news director. So we we can't uh, speculate on on any legislation. And actually, uh, John, credit to you, I'm learning about this piece of legislation as well, along with Merle. This is something I have not heard. Uh, from my sources down in Madison or from any of our local uh, legislators. So it may be something that uh, I will have to look into this week as well, if we've got time uh, in the news cycle. I will send a note out by the end of the day to my friends in the legislature, see if there's something proposed. Um, Because again, my question is, is what's the purpose for it? Um, John, don't know if it's out there. Thank you for uh, picking our brains. Yeah, that, uh, yeah, indeed. Hey, uh, we are we are here to learn on uh, making financial sense with Merle Kelch. 
on AM 550, FM 99.9, WSAU, online at WSAU.com as well. We will be back to wrap the show up quickly after this. The opinions voiced in this show are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult your attorney, accountant, financial advisor, or tax advisor prior to investing. This show contains forward-looking statements that may not come true. Securities Investment Advisory Services offered through Grove Point Financial, member FINRA SIPC, Grove Point Financial, and Kelch Associates are unaffiliated companies. And folks, this program is intended for Wisconsin residents only. FM 99.9 WSAU, online at WSAU.com as well, wrapping up another edition of Making Financial Sense. Uh, Merle, you had one more quick one for you before we uh, hit the road. Yeah, we've had this happen, folks, a couple of times uh, with clients, and I want to put this out there because this article popped up, and the article is by Quentin Fortrell. It says, my wife and I sold our home to her son at a $100,000 discount. He's now selling it at $250,000 profit. Do I ask for a cut is the title of the article. Um, and so in here, um, you know, uh, people married at 48 years old. They were helping out their child. And the child said, well, geez, I got such a discount. I can sell it for a big profit. I'm going to take the money. And that, of course, is not the intent. And so we've had this happen with a number of clients where they sold the house at a discount to the child. And a child, in my opinion, completely took advantage and said, well, geez, I got this at such a low price. Mom and dad helped me finance it. Now I can resell this house at a higher price later on. And if you want to ever have a way to reduce the amount of attendees at family reunions, <laughs> this is one of them. Or family holidays, this is one. Because it ticks people off. And so, you know, I always like to put that out there as a fair warning to people and saying, you know, we all want to help our kids out. Um um, but in times like this, there's got to be some sort of caveats or strings in the middle of it, such as if you sell the house during this period of time, uh, your potential inheritance is going to reduce by the amount of this. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've seen that. Um, or we'll find it, we'll sell it to you for this price and we'll finance it, um, but you're not selling it during this period of time. And if you do, you're you're paying the discount back. Um, and so it's, it's always interested me when I see this because, boy, um, if there's the, the ability to uh, make a buck, people will look at this even at the expenses of their family sometimes. And, boy, we've seen this happen time and time again. Um, but one of the easiest ways to set this sort of stuff up is, is you, you put it inside of an agreement someplace that says if you sell this period of time for a profit, um, you're going to be reduced or your inheritance about this amount of money, so this money's coming back into uh, the family that you took out by taking advantage of the situation. Mm-hmm. Um, is, is one of the easiest ways to have it. So that's where our friend Alan comes in, is to write some of that stuff up inside of the uh, the portfolio. But, boy, we've seen this stuff happen time and time again where you do something to be nice for um, the family, and then they turn around and say, well, geez, look, I just got this at a big discount, so now I'm going to sell a big profit. No, no, the intent was we're helping you out so you have a place to live, not so you can take advantage of the situation. And I've seen it happen a number of times in my life and boy, it really ticks off the family. So it may be an undif- uh, difficult or an uncomfortable conversation to have right now in the moment. But if everybody goes in with a clear head and uh, with the goal of listening instead of winning the argument, which mm-hmm. uh, is kind of a basic principle of life, uh, but that's another conversation. Yeah, it yeah. may prevent a more, much more, much more damaging, much more uncomfortable situation at a later date. Yeah, well, in this situation, in this article, 
for a person that gave him a hundred thousand dollar discount on a house. Um, well, that's a hundred thousand dollars that does not go out to the rest of the beneficiaries. You know, so in my instance, if I sold uh, something for a discount, it's a hundred thousand um, dollars. That's not inside of the the bucket, if you will, of the estate, and so it doesn't go to my wife. It doesn't go to my uh, the other children, uh, but this one gets it. So now they sell the house because they got a discount for a big profit. Well, now it would just happen at the expense of not only just myself and my wife, but at the expense of the whole family later on. And so those numbers have to be cut back. The, the plan was is to help you out. Mm-hmm. So if you're helping out, you're still there while it's understandable as time goes past. Uh, but then you have the ability to help out the other kids equally, but not something like this. I just think it's wrong from a moral standpoint. And this is the reason that, um, you know, the woodshed uh, existed back in the old days was to straighten people out like this. See? Absolutely. This has been making financial sense here on WSAU.